Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. And Lord, that is our prayer, that we would build our lives on you and your love for us and your acceptance of us. And God, would you help us to not think that we can earn our way to heaven or earn your love by doing more and being more impressive, but God, it would be upon you and what Christ has done for us. God, would you uh, be with us now as we jump into your word? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you correct us? Would you help us? And would you guide us along tonight and help us to apply whatever we learn tonight? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Colossians. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, if you're new uh, to the Bible or any of this stuff, uh, it's all going to be on the screen uh, for your benefit. Uh, But Colossians, towards the back end of the book, uh, tonight we are going to finish chapter 1. There are four chapters or major sections in the book of Colossians, and each one uh, will seem to have a common thread or a common theme. And really, this whole book and what we have said this letter in Colossae, this guy Paul, is writing to them, and he is trying to communicate something extremely important to them. He is trying to relay a message to them uh, because they had forgotten some things, and there was, had been people um, who had posted, who had said some lies about Jesus. What they were saying is that Jesus is not necessarily all that you need. That Jesus is just the start to spirituality. That once you start to follow Jesus, once you start to learn about Jesus, they would say he is the first rung of the ladder. And last week, kind of the main idea or thing that I was saying was uh, that if Jesus is not Lord over all, he is not Lord at all. That Jesus is Lord over everything. And kind of the the idea of this book and what I'm probably going to say every week or every time I'm teaching is it is all about Jesus. Everything that we do, everything that we talk about, everything that we are trying to accomplish, it is all about Jesus. It is not about hearing a good sermon. It is not about singing the songs that you like. It is not about finding the the girl or the boy that you are praying that would be here and talk to you. It is not about what, you know, if, if we have the good food, if we don't. It is not about whatever you would put into your category of wanting things. We, we do these things so it would push you to Jesus. If we sing songs, if we preach sermons, if we share the gospel, and at the end, you do not get more of Jesus. We have epically failed. Close the doors. has got nothing to do with anything if this is not what we are about. Everything we do is about Jesus. And we said that last week. We're going to say that this week because hopefully, and the reason we've titled this series Empty, hopefully you have experienced at one time or another feeling empty where you felt like, man, there's got to be something more than this. You're working at your run-of-the-mill job, and you're like, man, there has got to be something more than this. You had your family holiday experience, whatever that looked like, God help you. There has got to be something more than this. You had sat through maybe classes, or you're just now starting back up, and you're sitting on your computer for nine hours a day, and you're like, God help me. 
There has got to be something more than this. And, and really the first question, if you can pull it up, uh, that I want to pose for us is this. What are you giving your life to? What are you giving your life to? Um, truly, truly, the, the more that I think about my own life and have conversations, there's, there's always something next that you're anticipating. Always, there's always something more that you're anticipating, the next step, the next conversation, uh, the next relationship. The ne- you know, uh, most of the time people will say, well, I just can't wait till I have some financial freedom. That's when I will be content. Or once you find a spouse, or once you start having kids, and then for you know, then you got the next kid, and then the next kid, and then they're out of the house, and then you got to wait. You 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 hope for what is next just until you die. Just what's next? What's next? And you're almost in a sense where you're just in the mundane. You ever felt like that? Just kind of doing what is right. You hear all this stuff going on outside, and everyone's just yelling about politics, and you don't want to hear anything about anything about politics ever again. Amen. Amen. Seriously. You're just done with that. You're done with uh, conversations about people asking you, what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> what are you going to do? You're like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, man. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, what are you giving your life to? And here's what my goal for the next few moments is. That you would realize, and I would realize, that what we give our lives to is not something in the future. It is now. It is today. And it is a person. And his name is Jesus. That we are not living for something someday. And that is what you are taught, that's what you are fed, or, I mean, you're just constantly, you know, you got to start putting away for retirement. If you're 18, if you're not, you're going to be homeless, and you're hearing all this stuff, and you've got to build, you know, resumes and, you know, networking. you got to do this, you got to go the right, and, and you're overwhelmed with, man, can I just breathe? Can I just breathe? That we are not built We are not meant, as hopefully Jesus followers, to just only, only anticipate that we would not just give our lives for something in the future, but we would give our lives for someone today. And the second question I want to pose before we jump in is this. When life is difficult, what do you do? What do you do? When, and, and you might be in two different seasons tonight or two different camps. You might be in a great season. I mean, you're just doing awesome. You, you are just loving people. You love Jesus, top of the mountain. I mean, you, you even lifted up them hands when we were singing. You, you're feeling great. You're feeling great. And then there's the other side, maybe you're, you're not doing so great. Or when life is hard or difficult, what do you do? For, for some of us, there are things that we would like to admit that we do. Or, or, you know, we wouldn't like to admit is what I mean. For some of you, uh, when life is difficult, you will um, door dash uh, Chipotle, right? You'll overpay, uh, and you'll have it sent to your house. Uh, You will, Lord willing, uh, get to watch TV or Netflix for about nine hours straight. Uh, You don't want to talk to anybody unless you're stalking, you know, what they're doing. And and you'll just kind of hide out and say, "If if I have to see anyone, it will drain me and I will lose my lid. So I just kind of, you know, buckle down. What do you do when life is difficult? Because in us, and for a lot of us, when life is difficult, we like to view it as a season, right? Or we're hoping that we're going in and then hopefully we're going to go out of difficult seasons. But this portion of the letter, and this guy, Paul, and as he's addressing this, his life was not a difficult season. 
It was not something that was hard for a short period of time, and then it was sunshine and rainbows, and now he loves Jesus, serving Jesus. He had learned, learned the secret or the ability to view whatever season he was in, not as hard or difficult or easy, but worthy. That he would say, God, I am in this. What do you want to get out of me? What do you want to do through me? Because God has a purpose with your pain. He's trying to accomplish something. He's trying to do something with it. He doesn't waste difficult seasons. He doesn't waste difficult relationships. He doesn't waste those things. He's trying to do something in them. And you and I have an opportunity to allow God to work in us and through us. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, if you want to make the most of hard times, make it about others. Verse 24, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Let's just talk about that for a second. Who would it have to be that you would suffer for them and you would say that was worth it? Someone you really love. Someone you really like. Not just some random church member. No, it'd have to be either your significant other, a family member, because if you're going through a hard time, what this portion, rejoice in my sufferings, really means, he was able to feel what someone else was feeling. He had entered into someone else's pain. He says, and in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. Let me just talk about that for a second. Just a little Bible time, you know, with Michael on Wednesday night. Um, is anything lacking in Christ? No. No, nothing is lacking in Christ. Now, why on earth would he say, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? So, hey, Jesus died on the cross, and what some people would say, hey, it wasn't enough. So the Apostle Paul, who's in prison, is writing this letter. He kind of went through even harder times to reach more people for Christ. And so what was lacking, Paul kind of finished it out in the sense of paying for your sins. That is a lie, that nothing is lacking in Christ. So what is the Apostle Paul, or what does this lacking in Christ's afflictions mean for the sake of his body? What he is saying is, it really loses translation, Bible nerd time, between uh, Greek and English. What he is saying is this, that when they suffer... He suffers, that when someone attacks them or they are hurting or they are in pain, he is in pain, that he is feeling, in a sense, just what Christ has felt, because when Jesus approached Paul, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, his body, that he would feel that. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make known the word of God, to make the word of God fully known. If you want to make the most of hard times, and I know there'd be a portion of you who'd say, I ain't trying to make the most of anything. My hard times, they suck. I would rather get out of them. I don't enjoy them. I feel like it's not a season. It's a lifestyle. I'm just always down right? You're kind of like, it's not Monday, it's not Saturday, it's, it's the 365. It's just, it's, you know, it's, you feel like it's your cross, maybe. But if you want to make the most of hard times, you make it about someone else. You make it about others. That really, this guy has the perspective, has the perspective, no matter what he is going through, that if someone else is better because of him, he is better so the question, at least I'm posing for this tonight, if you'd go down, I think it's the, not Romans 5, but the next one. 
who is better because of you? He said that I am rejoicing in my sufferings. I'm making the word of God fully known to you. He's really not in an ideal situation, but he is concerned about them. He is feeling what they felt. Have you ever talked to someone and when you walk away, you just feel better? You don't even know why. Maybe because they talked about you the whole time. They just ask you questions like, man, I feel so good. I don't know why. You're just like, wait, what's their name? You know, you, you, you walk away and you feel better because of them. So the challenge for, for this, or for, for this at least portion, is me asking the question, who is better because of you? And even if you're not a Christian uh, and you're listening to this, you can ask yourself the question, who do I make better because I'm talking to them? I'm showing interest in them. I am giving and not asking to take. That is what he is doing. He's saying, I am rejoicing. I'm finding it better to go through a hard time, and I'm going to feel what someone else is feeling. Because when you're going through a hard time, you can make it about yourself, or you can make it about someone else. And you're better, better off. And we'll talk about this as we go on. To give instead of take. Because when you constantly take, it will always be about you and your situation. That we would not be just consumers, but producers. Number two, uh, if you want to make the most of hard times, make it about Jesus. He says, the mystery hidden for ages and the generations now, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's a lot there, but here's what I want to make it very clear. He is, what he is trying to accomplish is that there are people who never had heard about Jesus, they had heard about Jesus, maybe they thought that he was coming, they didn't know when he was coming, didn't know what he was going to, to offer, and what they believed during that time is that this, this simple idea is this, God is out there, but he cannot be in here. That God is out there, but he cannot be in here. That at that time, the Spirit of God would dwell outside of them, but not inside of them. That there really couldn't be anything you could accomplish with God in you. So then he says, this mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is more weird than explaining that to someone who's never heard of Christianity? Really, really strange. As Christians, we believe some crazy stuff. This is probably the top, top three, gotta be. That we believe that Jesus came as a virgin birth, lived a perfect life for you and I. Yeah, 2,000 years ago, it was a while ago. It was a while. He, God, yeah, 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 he said he was God. Miracles, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he did that. He predicted his death. He died on this cross. Yeah, they crucified him just like they did thousands of people in Roman culture during that time. He went in the ground for three days. And then he came back. And then he said, he's coming back. You want to come? Right? It is very strange. Very strange. But what Paul is saying is this, if you're going through a hard time, he's going through a hard time, he makes the hard time about Jesus. He's saying, I am going through this to show you something that you have never heard before, that you have never seen before, that you have never felt before. And my question for you is this, who has heard about Jesus because of you? Very, very simple here tonight. I'm not asking who you have baptized. I'm not asking how many people. I'm asking one person. 
uh, last Wednesday night, I was getting ready to, to come up and um, I was getting ready to teach, and my friend who, I mean, I've been sharing with this guy for over a year, and it's really, really testing my patience on this one. And I've just been sharing with him, talking with him. He fully understands the gospel. He, he sent me a meme right when I was about to start, and it was actually really cool. I wish I had the meme actually to pull up, but it was about Christianity. And um, I, I opened it, and I never texted him back, and I just saw him the next day, and he said, hey, how come you didn't text me back? I said, honestly, man, I, I just forgot. And I said, well, hey, but on a serious note, whenever you're ready to accept Christ, obviously you know to let me know. And he said, Mike, you will be my first call. That I, all I know is this. It's not my job to convince, to make, to mandate, to do all this extra stuff. But my simple question for me is this. Who has heard about Jesus because of me? Even if it's one person. Who have you shown the mystery to? Who have you at least declared, hey, this is what Jesus has done for us? I don't have verses. I ain't got all the questions. I don't know big number, little number. But who have you said this phrase to? Hey, do you know anything about Jesus? Because usually the people who want to grow the most, they want to know or be taught something that they've never been taught before. Isn't that the best? When there is a Bible teacher, well, you'll be like, whoa. And you're like, that was awesome. And then it didn't make you do anything. You're like, that just was really good. That was really, really good. But you didn't tell anyone. You didn't share about Jesus because of it. It just made you think differently. And what was a mark of Christians during this time, which is called the way in the Bible? It wasn't called Christianity. It was literally called the way. Because Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and Saul in Acts 9 is trying to attack the way, their mark, or all their marching orders were that they told people about Jesus. That was it. That that meant that they were really deep Christians. That they didn't have Bibles at disposal. It's not like they were tearing up devotionals. and They, they literally, the mark of being deep was, I told someone about Christ. I ask them a question. I don't have a ton of success. I'm not really smart. I don't have all the answers. I'm not an apologist. I don't, I don't know anything, really. All I know is Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, and he died for me. If you're going through a hard time, I believe in that hard time, God wants to use your pain to communicate more about Jesus. And thirdly, in verses 28 and 29, if you want to make the most of hard times, make it about giving and not taking. And this is, if, have you ever heard someone use the phrase, this is my life verse? Raise your hand real quick. You ever heard parents, yeah, yeah, they're kind of like Proverbs 3. This is, this is my life verse. So in my Bible, I got like, you know, it's, it's starred, it's there. This is my, if I have a, a life verse, this would be it. Him, which is referring to Christ, we proclaim. We, it is a team effort. It is not just the pastor's job. It is not just the Bible study leader's job. We, it is a community project. We proclaim warning everyone. Why does it say everyone? I wish it said a good chunk, like just the majority. I wish it was kind of like a few, my friends. I don't like everyone because then I'm like walking around and I'm like, where are they at? You know, I'm kind of. Just I'm nervous of who's everyone? What does that mean? I have no idea what that means. Everyone. I assume it's everyone. Teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present 
everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil or work, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. There was a famous pastor. He was a monster. Um, he did so many things. He would preach five times a day to crowds of thousands. He wrote books. He was running orphanages. He was chain, doing all of this crazy stuff. And they approached him, and there was someone that said, Man, Mr. Spurgeon, how, how do you get it all done? You work more than two men. He said, Didn't you know there are two of us working that Christ in you. He is powerfully working. And here is what is true. If you are able, if you are able to in your hard season or time to give instead of take, that is only possible when God is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the question that I'm asking is this as well, is who has received because you gave? Who? Is there anyone in your life that you have crossed paths with? I'm not, you know, saying you bought them Starbucks behind the line. I'm not asking, you know, you kind of fill in the gap here. Who has received because you gave? That you have decided to give when you didn't have much to give. God has not, has not given you all that you have so that you would have all that you want. He has given you all that you have so that everyone could have all they need that needs would be met. And anytime that I talk about this idea of giving instead of taking, this picture works best for me as I think about it. Some of us would be considered a swamp. That this idea of a swamp, that water flows in, it comes in, but what, ha what happens? It gets stuck. Swampy Christians stink. They literally stink. Swamps, they, they smell. You, you ever try to ride a four-wheeler through a swamp? Yeah, you, you, you front wheels, you're stuck, you, you ain't going nowhere. And here's what happens with swampy Christians. Majority, I think, within church context, this is, this is where you're at. You have heard thousands of sermons, thousands, but you don't remember one. You have heard hundreds, hundreds of worship songs in your car, crying, you just... You're in it. You're just uh, praising it. And, and you're in it. But you have never, ever told anyone or anybody about where you are spiritually. You're only, the only time you would open up your mouth about God or church or Christianity is to critique. Why don't they do this? I don't like that study. I don't like this. I don't like that song. Why he's singing? Why she's... That it would only be to critique. Swampy Christians are people who only consume only consume. Make Christianity smell bad. It really does. And I have had seasons of my life where I'm in the swamp. I'm just stuck. It's, you know, it's only taking in, but it's not giving out. Well, what's the opposite? A desert. Desert is tough. You're always giving, but you're never taking. The only things that you like to be at are things that you are doing things that you are accomplishing, that you are giving, that you are do, you, you're pouring out, but you're not taking in. Christians who are in the desert or that are, all, are people who are always giving, it is hard for you to comprehend just to sit and listen and take in and be ministered to. It is extremely hard because the only thing you see, God bless you, are people's needs. 
That's why you come to stuff. That's why you do what you do. And then lastly, the perfect one, I took a picture of Christian's garden at his house. It's just beautiful, man. It just looks great. It's just, it's just gorgeous, man. I mean, it's flourishing. In January, I was like, look at that picture, man. That is, that is impressive, right? A garden that it would be the, the proper intake would also be the proper output, right? That that, when you realize that in that environment, those, that is when you are able to make most of your hard times. And, and this final, go to the next slide. My, my, when my needs my needs will be met when my life becomes about someone else's. That if I am, and, and this guy who is writing this letter to us, it really is like, you're kind of like, man, this is some heavy stuff. I, I kind of just want to encourage tonight. That the most encouraging thing I can remind myself of is that Jesus gave when he didn't have much to give. That this guy, Paul, gave when he was in his lowest season, that he served when just wasn't feeling it, schedule's full, kind of annoyed at some people he knows, kind of didn't like the doctrine at that one joint, uh, didn't like the, that's when he was able to say, all right, God, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give out of my poverty because that is what you have done and what you will find to be true, what you will find to be true, when my needs, my needs will be met when I start to give, I start to ask, I start to, to tell people about Jesus, he will in turn bless me and fill mine. That as I tell someone about Christ, he will fill my spirit. When I ask someone about their needs and I seek to, to meet their needs, he will fill mine back up. That it is a cycle that takes place. And it is in Acts twenty thirty five says this, in all things... I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That him, that Jesus is who we proclaim. That if I'm going to work and be tired for anything, for anything, that it should be for Christ. That there is not, there is not. And here's what is hard to, to get into your mind. There is not a season, there's not a season where you will finally wake up and say, man, everything is so perfect, now it's time to live for God. I got my girlfriend, I got my car, I got my job, I got my house, I got everything just seems so perfect. That, that, that day will never happen. It will be in the moments when you feel like you need God the most, you need God the most that he will in turn, like I said, fill you back up. Because this idea and what I started out with tonight is this. God has a purpose for your pain. That he is trying to accomplish something. When we talk about empty in the book of Colossians, God, what he does, because he's so good, he allows you to feel empty so that in your emptiness, you would come to him and he would fill you up. If you are a follower of Christ, and whether uh, you feel like you just accepted Christ, you've been following him for five months, five weeks, five days, five years, shoot, since you got, you know, you were born, bam, you got saved, whatever it is for you, that in the season that you are in now, Colossians would remind us that you will find fulfillment, that you would be filled with Christ, that you would find peace 
when you serve, when you give, and when you make it about Jesus. When I am in hard seasons, when I consume, consume, I will get jammed up, and I don't have the ability to see what does God have with my pain, because my pain becomes about me. And what God did, what God did, is in his poverty, in his weakness, when he was going through the most pain that he could possibly, you and I can't even fathom, he had you in mind, that he went through what you could not go through, that he went through pain so that you could be comforted, that he went through suffering so that you could have freedom. He went through slavery, in a sense, so that you could have a friend, that he went through this so you could have forgiveness. And the greatest gift in the world is Jesus. It is all about Jesus. It is always about Jesus, and it will always be about Jesus. We don't graduate from that idea. We don't move on from that idea. Everything springs from Christ. And my question for tonight for some of you is, have you ever accepted that gift? That Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, and you can have a relationship with him. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. That with the mouth we confess, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And why don't you make that decision tonight? And for some of us, why don't we tell someone, maybe just bring it up for the very first time? Let me pray. God, we are thankful um, for the book of Colossians. We are thankful, God, that you are who we proclaim, that it is all about Jesus. Lord, would you give us the, the boldness and ability uh, to bring up Christ, that it is who we proclaim, it is to everyone, but maybe for some of us, it's just kind of like, I probably should bring that up to somebody. And God, would you help us to, to be producers and not just consumers, that it would not always be about us. Would you help us to serve? God, would you help us to give when we don't feel like we have much to give? And God, I am thankful that the message of the Bible is that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That without having Christ inside of us, it is literally impossible to live the Christian life. God, I'm thankful that you tug on our hearts when we need reminded, that you correct us and you encourage us. And God, I just have to believe that someone here, you, you've been kind of tugging on their hearts. They've yet to accept Christ. They know they need to. They've been putting it off. And so, God, even just in the quietness of their heart, would they pray and ask you for forgiveness? Would they ask you to come into their life? God, would they ask you to save them? And would they put their faith and trust in Jesus? If you need to make that decision tonight, would you just slip your hand up real quick just so I, I can pray for you? If you've never accepted Christ or you don't have a relationship with God, but you, you need to, just let me see that hand just so I can pray for you. <clears throat> Lord, we are so thankful for the gospel message. 
that it would never become old, never become mundane. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, help us, God, to find joy in whatever season you've called us to. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand as we sing one more song?